Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to episode three of Rock That Relationship. Today, we're here to talk about communication and why it is so important and some of the things that we've learned along the way about effective communication and probably a little bit we've learned about ineffective communication. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about being with someone whose communication style is different and how do you navigate that? How do you actually maximize your conversations and your discussions and your interactions with people who might just communicate differently than you? And then we're going to end with... um, ways that we've found that we can enhance communication, things that have worked for us, things that we wish that we had done that we didn't do, but have since learned. So we're excited to talk with you all today a little bit about communication. And, and I'll just start out by saying one thing is, you know, as a communication major in college, I realized that I'd taken many, many classes for semesters long all about this topic. So there's no way that we could cover all elements of communication in, you know, a 30 minute podcast. But the thing that we really want to resonate, you know, with you all is this idea that, you know, we've taken some kind of kernels away from our relationships in learning about communication. So we're sort of bringing you some of our kind of greatest hits moments. And so that's what we really want to do today is share that with you. So maybe we'll start out a little bit about, uh, you know, why is communication important? Um, Tracy, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, why communication is even important in a relationship? Well, I guess, Corey, as I mentioned before, if we're not robots, like we actually have to talk about things. And the fact that we're talking about communication is, I mean, here we are talking, right? We're communicating. We're trying to convey information. So we're trying to get one piece of information out of our brain into somebody else's. And in a relationship, if you're not communicating, I don't think you have a relationship, you know? I mean, if there's no communication or if there's poor communication, the relationship is going to break down and it's going to end, whether it's a romantic relationship or friend relationship, um, you know, we can't, I don't think we can go forward without it. Well, yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, and I think as we look at communication broadly too, it's uh, sometimes the absence of talking is communication in and of itself, right? The nonverbals or, um, you know, the the uh, other elements of communication that happen, you know, group dynamics, things that you're seeing um, going on is a form of communication too. And, you know, it's obviously it's important in relationships. It sustains the connection and it helps, you know, create a mutual understanding, um, you know, but it's also just, you know, as we think about it, it's, it's simply just an engaging part of in human interaction, right? I mean, you know, I think, you know, Tracy, when you and I go out hiking, we chit chat the whole time. We talk about everything. And we've gone out hiking with people who say, why are you talking over nature? And it's like, but that's the way we communicate And our, our relationship. Our friendship is built on the fact that we interact with each other by talking about all sorts of things. Whereas other people might go along the trail and, you know, quietly or silently and really kind of appreciate that nonverbal communication that they have while in nature. So I think communication is really important because regardless of, you know, to what extent you have it or how you have it, it really lays a foundation for how you connect with other people. Well, yeah. And I think that was the genesis of this podcast, right? Is our communicating, our hyper communicating. We would hike for hours and hours. I mean, that one time we hiked for three hours and then I called you as soon as we left the parking lot. because. <laughs> I'd forgotten to talk about something and I believe it was a close friend or your girlfriend who was like, well, did you guys ever, were you guys ever quiet on the trail? And I was like, no, why would we be? 
you know, <laughs> right. unless there's a bear there, I'm not being quiet. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, so uh, when we say communication, though, knowing that Tracy and I are both, you know, very strong extroverts and we're hyper communicative, um, you know, we're not advocating for that for everyone. We're just saying it's good to know how you like to communicate and how you can find a way to connect with others through that communication style. Um, well, so- and I think, you know, it's, it's to bring up hiking, you know, to talk about hiking again, it's you have to decide what what does hiking mean to you? So when I met my a girlfriend in law school, she had been living in Wyoming. She came out to Seattle and she was like, you know, let's go hiking. I'm like, all right, so let's go to Wyoming, go hiking. Well, we had totally two different ideas of what hiking was, right? I was a way wimpier hiker. And then when I met my wife, she, I was already very hardcore hiker and she was not. And so when I say let's go hiking, she meant strolling and I meant hardcore hiking. And so in both of those relationships, that was a real problem, right? Like I was a whiner in one and then somebody else was upset with me for going too fast. And I think it's the same with communication. If I want to talk all the time and they don't, there's going to be a problem. Right. Or at least if they don't want to listen all the time, right? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't understand why that would be, but I guess there are some people who don't want to. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. As you know, as I say, someone who, you know, teaches communication, interpersonal dynamics, there's a lot of ground to cover, but there's a couple things that just keep surfacing uh, over and over that, you know, in my mind have laid the foundation for communication just in general. And, and I think the biggest one we actually talked about in episode two, if any of you are interested in going back and listening to that episode, we do kind of introvert, uh, introduce the concept of introversion and extroversion at that point and talk a lot about what that looks like, um, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of showing up in relationships, but let's talk about it in terms of communication. So Tracy, you are a self-proclaimed, I'm not even going to say self-described, a self-proclaimed extrovert. Tell us a little bit about what it means to be an extrovert. Yeah. And I think I might be a other people proclaimed extrovert as well. (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) if you do a test about it, it will say people who are extroverts get their recharging um, by other people. So that's how I charge up. I never get tired. I never get tired of other people. Now I don't like, I'm not a person who goes to parties. I don't like the big events. I don't like to go to parades, but I could spend hours and hours and hours talking to someone and I'd never get tired of it. I can be on the phone sometimes for four hours a day. That's after I worked eight hours talking to clients who are, you know, very needy, doesn't exhaust me, but for an introvert, that would be exhausting, right? The four hours a day on the phone, let alone then add in an eight hour day job and then some hiking with a friend, they would not be able to handle that. But if I don't have that, then I would go crazy. It's not that I can't read a book or I can't watch a movie because I do those things too. But the time that is quality time for me is actually spent with other people, which I think- Go ahead. I would agree a hundred percent. Absolutely. It's like, um, it, you know, it's not just the, the, the recharge. Cause I find that I get recharged, you know, I've had a really long day. I'm really tired. And someone says, Oh, do you want to go out to the social event? And I'm like, yes. And I perk up. Whereas, you know, I've been with, um, an introvert before who that, you know, that would be like the, the worst thing that they could possibly imagine. The idea of recharging is, you know, you know, having kind of some quiet times some maybe some alone time or maybe even just one-on-one, but something to recharge the batteries. But the other part of extroversion that I think is also really important is, um, you know, there, you know, from an introvert perspective, it's, it's, 
thinking before you speak. As an extrovert, I think and speak simultaneously. So half the stuff that comes out of my mouth is problematic because I'm making meaning of it as it's coming out. So as I'm communicating, sometimes I don't agree with what I just said because I'm processing it while I'm saying it. And so that's been a really interesting lesson to learn is being aware of either prefacing my processing with someone and saying, I'm not sure that I'm going to believe what I'm going to say here. I just need to just get it out or being around other extroverts who understand and know this process that I'm going through where I really need to process at the same time as I'm speaking. But that has really come back to bite me a few times where it was, well, you said, and I thought you wanted this because you said that out loud. And it was like, wow, I didn't even think about it. I was thinking and speaking at the exact same time. Well, and that's called external processing, right? I mean, And that's something that I didn't understand for a long time. And I actually had to get therapy about it, you know, to be with an internal processor and be an external processor, the internal processors, like what on earth, just be quiet. Like, why is everything that you're thinking coming out of your mouth? Why do you need to discuss everything? And why did you, why did you just go through this whole monologue about something and then make a different decision? And I'm like, well, the only way I came to that decision is by mulling something over out loud. In fact, I just called some friends last night about a problem that I was having with a prior relationship. And they're like, why do you even call us? You already made up your mind about what you're going to do. And I said, no, I didn't, but I just want to hear what you had to say about what I had to say. And then I'll make a decision, but it's the processing, right? It's that. I want to be able to discuss in something or an issue I'm having with somebody else. It's how it's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the, you know, introverted way or the, you know, internal processor. It's just different. And I think people don't discuss that enough at first because they don't understand it. I mean, it's taken me to my fifties to understand some of this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, I even had one relationship where I would want to externally process and I would, you know, share an issue that might've been going on at work. And my partner at the time would say, well, here's my advice, you know, and I wasn't really like looking for that advice, but you know, it was like, okay, well, here's that. And and I was like, well, no, I'm just processing it out loud. I'm not asking you to provide me anything. I just want to talk about it. And then guess what? Tomorrow, I want to talk about the same thing. And then the next day, I want to talk about the same thing. And I can see how that can be very grating on someone who does not want to do that. Right. So I, you know, I have to learn to either process with other people or balance it out in my relationship. So I'm not over, you know, overwhelming my partner, whoever I'm with. Um, and so these are a lot, you know, a lot of things we think about. I mean, a lot of, you know, our listeners probably know right off the bat if they're more introverted or more extroverted, but thinking about how that shows up in your friendships and your relationships and with your family can really be indicative of how you actually go about communicating. Well, and they, they might not necessarily know. In fact, I dated someone for five years that I considered to be an extrovert and she just did a test and it said she was 65% an introvert. And that actually totally surprised me. I had no idea. Like that did not occur to me, but that could explain some things, right? So I think actually not just getting therapy or having a therapeutic mindset when you start a relationship, but kind of doing some of these tests to see, Hey, is this going to work? You know, this is the, and explaining to the person up front, I'm an extrovert or I'm an external processor. I'm going to want to talk about everything. Is that going to be annoying to you? Because this is something really kind of, what do you call that? Like central to my being, you know, like Mm -hmm. it is part of who I am. It's not going to change. And I think some people find it really, really annoying. 
Well, and, and I think, you know, the reference to taking some of these self-assessments is really good. Um, you know, if you're looking for some assessments to take, you know, the Myers-Briggs type indicator is the kind of the, the gold standard of testing, you know, or well, assessing for introversion and extroversion. But um, there's some free versions online that are shortened versions that you can take as well to kind of figure out, um, you know, where you might lie in terms of introversion and extroversion. So definitely look at that. There's also some other um, assessments that kind of get around this too. If any of you are familiar with the Enneagram, that's kind of a neat one as well. Uh, people really like that. And then also uh, Gallup Strengths Finder, which is neat. It doesn't really measure your introversion and extroversion, but you can see what your top five strengths are and you can see if they're, you know, they fall within, you know, either of these kinds of classifications. So they're really helpful. We'll put some information in the show notes about that. Um, let's move along and talk about another big lesson and another kind of foundational pillar of communication, which is intent versus impact. Now, I learned about this, you know, about a decade ago, and, and it was, um, and actually, I think I remember it being a student who brought it up to me and said, you know, your intent may have been one thing, but your impact was another. And I was, I was taken aback and I thought, my intent. So when I said that, like, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I, my intention was only to do dot, dot, dot. It wasn't to do dot, dot, dot. And, but the other person says, but that wasn't your impact, right? The impact, how I received it. Now, granted, we're all in charge of how we receive our own information. We're all in charge of our own feelings. But at the same time, if things, you know, are, are come off as, as harsh or unnecessarily rude or mean, um, it doesn't really matter what you, you know, controlling your own feelings. It just might be the impact that something's having. And so this idea of what is your intent versus what is your impact? And, and you know, always kind of deferring to this idea of impact is more important than intent. You know, but it's how like, do you know what the impact is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, that's, you better communicate that. You know what I mean? Like you don't always know. I mean, you could get a no. look or you could see this look across their face or something like that. Right. But that is, that is to me, the other person needs to communicate that, that, okay, that landed badly, or I don't appreciate yes. that or. And, and you have to be open to hearing that, but also it's very hard to determine that, especially if you're with someone who's not a good communicator, right? That, right. that it landed poorly, but you maybe didn't mean it that way at all. I mean, and I also like to give credit for intent. Not everybody does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, in, intent helps explain things. I don't give credit for it. Um, you don't you know. give credit for intent. No, well, I, I think sure if the, do. if the impact is poor, um, then I think it doesn't matter what your intention was. You need to fix something. You need to not do that again. Um, it may be that the person you're communicating with is, you know, maybe not as thick skinned as you are. And so you just have to say something in a little bit of a different way. Um, and that's, even though your intention wasn't to hurt them, what you did and what you're doing is hurting them. You need to stop. I just, I, that's well, why I'm I, not saying you keep doing it, but can't you give them credit for what they already did? I mean, that seems kind of harsh. And I know <laughs> I, I, I would say, okay, that really hurt my feelings. Please try not to do that again or please don't do it again. But I would understand that that person didn't mean it that way that that time, like it's not, if they kept doing it every day, that would be annoying. Right. Well, and yeah, they shouldn't get credit for that. I mean, that's more of what I'm going for. Sometimes you don't realize, you know, that you're hurting, you said something that's hurtful and that wasn't your initial intention, but you know, when, when it's pointed out to you, if you do it again, I think that that's, I think that you should know better at that point in time. So, but, you know. but also if you're the receiver of information that you don't like, or you don't like how it was conveyed to you, then be the person to actually say something, right? Don't sit yeah. there and stew about it. 
Don't let it, you know, fester inside of you. Say something. And that is the whole basis of communication. Like everybody gets upset over some things. And I don't know what you're going to get upset about until it happens. And then we need to talk about it. I mean, I think that is like a foundational problem in relationships, right? Is that people get upset and then they don't, they, they don't know how to express that to someone or they let it fester. And now you've got a problem. Right. Right. Well, and then that's what happens with laundry listing. It's like, well, this happened. And then last week you did this. And then two weeks ago you did this. And then it's like, wow, hold on a second. I didn't know that all these things were building up, right? That's where you can say that was not my intention, right? But um, but you're right, you need to say something. Do you say it in the moment? Do you say it, you know, you kind of as a check-in? But making sure that you say, that's this is how I received this. I would appreciate our, if our conversation went differently next time we talk about this, or this is what I need and being very specific about it. And you may not come to an agreement on what that person needs versus what you might want to say. But the idea behind it, I think that you're getting at, Tracy, is you have to talk about this. You can't just sweep it under the rug and just, I mean, I always say hope is not a conflict management strategy. Hoping that it's just something's going to go away and that you don't have to deal with it is not a way of dealing with conflict and and, and an effective communication strategy. Well, and how is all conflict resolved with communication? Right, right. Right. I mean, unless it's a war and you win. (laughs) That's about it. Or it's it's you playing a pickleball. If somebody playing pickleball with you, that's a intense oh. situation there. You can, anyway. pity. you can have pity on them. <laughs> go well, for them. Um, well, let's, let's talk about another one of our communication lessons. Um, and I, I think this is really an interesting one. And you've been using this term with me um, a lot over the last nine months. And I think it's really a, a key and it's, and it almost like makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up when you say it, because I know you're spot on, even if I don't want to listen to it, which is the danger of speculating. What does that mean? What did, what did she mean when she said, or why hasn't she called or what is it, what's going to happen next? Or, you know, trying to make up a story when there's no, you know, when you don't have all of the facts. So talk a little bit about the danger of speculating and some of the things that you've been thinking about. Well, that's another reason that we started this podcast. And in fact, I think we were going to call it like spin sisters, right? Because all we did was go on these hikes and spin, 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 spin ourselves into insanity. Well, if she said this, she meant that. If she did this, she, this would happen. If, if, what do you think she's thinking? What do you think this person's thinking? What do you think? Like, you can't live like that, right? That is what we had to stop. I don't know what that person's thinking unless they actually tell me. And how can I find out? I'm going to ask them. And do I take then what they say at face value or am I going to go and impute a bunch of, you know, other meaning into it? I think, you know, having been a cop and now being a lawyer, my communication skills have improved. I have to say in relationships as a, as working as a lawyer, right? As a cop, I kind of barked at people. Do this, do that. That. By the way, that doesn't go over well in any relationship, <laughs> just so you know. Um, yes. But, you know, when you're in high pressure situations, you you use less words, but you can't do that in relationships. And being an attorney, I see the value of really laying stuff out. Like, I really need to understand what you're thinking. And, and, and I'm not going to sit there and just guess and guess and guess about what's happening. And I think... You have had that issue a little bit and I have plenty of friends who have that issue and I have, but I now shut myself down. I don't know if the person hasn't told me, I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and spin my wheels about it. 
Well, you are a stronger person than I am. So you know that I struggle with this a lot, right? Um, I, you know, I, I make up and construct an entire story about something based on, uh, you know, a text or not a text or a whatever it may be. So would it, what would you say for recommendation for a person like me who gets nervous about clarifying, right? What someone might be asking the other person. Yeah. What, like, I don't know. Do I really want to know what they mean? Well, that's the issue, right? Do you really, yeah. Do you really want to know? Yeah. That scares me. So I don't want to ask. So how do you, how do I get over that? Well, you talk to me and then you get some therapy. I mean, the reality (laughs) is why are you going to sit there and waste a half an hour of your life, which then will turn into four hours, you know, wondering, 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 Oh, what did this person mean by that? What did this person mean? Why don't you just go and ask them? Well, I mean, and you're lucky when you say four hours, because I wasted four months sometimes right. spinning around going, what did this person mean? What does this mean? What are they doing? Um, and that hasn't served me well, but then I get anxious to say something, even though I know that I should, but it, I get kind of held back. Are there any strategies you can recommend for me that would be like to actually clarify? I mean, it's kind of, you have to do a cost benefit analysis in your mind, right? Am I spending, is this time that I'm spinning my wheels? Is it worth it? What is the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to hear some rejecting news, right? Do I want to hear that rejecting news? I mean, you can shut it down. It's mind control though, right? It's like, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I mean, you're an expert on that kind of stuff, right? For other, like in other areas, for some reason you love to, let your mind spin itself into just insane circles. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a hobby of mine. I like to karaoke and overthink. I mean, that's what yeah. I do on the weekends. That's um, right. So, so overthinking really, your jam. It is. It's my thing. Shirt. I know. Right. Um, you actually did get me a little sign in the back of my, uh, yes, that I have. It's it's still there. On. I've got to overthink this. It sits behind me all the time. And is it, is it, it's just, it doesn't serve a purpose. I mean, it's just like Marie Kondo, your mind. Okay. Is it sparking joy? Is it serving a purpose? No, stop it. Right. I mean, right. okay. That's easier said than done, but <laughs> that's my, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. really what has to happen. Is it serving you? Is it serving a purpose or is it causing you more suffering? Yep. Yep. And, Does and it, it spark joy? Well, and, and no. being confused and being speculative does not spark joy. So that's the real question. No, this why? Is- because then you've come up with a whole scenario in, in your mind that could be much more catastrophic, much worse than what you were thinking. And that's what a lot of people say is most people aren't thinking what you're thinking. Most people aren't, you know how there's people, I have several friends who are like this. They'll go home at night and be like, oh my God, everybody thought that I sounded like a dork when I said that. And it's like, nobody even thought about that twice. But in your mind, you've made it out to be something bigger. I mean, I think this here is like, this is the life goal, okay, for everybody, right? To control the mind. If you get down to it, it doesn't matter what religion, whatever, the mind controls the behavior. I have had major problems with this, so I'm not trying to lecture anybody. I mean, I cannot control this mind. It is out of control a lot of times. And so yours requires, I guess, talking to yourself, right? We went to that one really good speaker about chatter, mind chatter. The mind chatter is that it's like, it doesn't help you. It's like a a chipmunk or no, we don't do that. Hamsters running on a wheel, right? 
Right. I mean, I suppose chipmunks can run on a wheel if we had. Well, they could, but <laughs> people don't usually put them in cages, unlike the poor hamsters. But you so, put a hamster in there. Why is the hamster running on the wheel? Because it has nothing else to do. The chipmunk's outside collecting its nuts for the winter. This hamster's like, well, what the hell? I don't have anything else to do in here. And that's the thing. So keep yourself busy doing something else more productive. Tell your mind, this isn't going anywhere. It's not going to help me. Right, right. Well, and, you know, thinking about what is the difference between, um, you know, kind of thoughtful reflection, right, which is, you know, good, uh, good thoughts in your mind, things that you can learn from and develop from. And then what is that negative chatter or the speculation? And how is that informing the way that we communicate or not communicate with others? So these are all really good ideas. Can I go back to that thoughtful reflection? But thoughtful reflection, you can have based on actual evidence, right? Or actual knowledge of what somebody was thinking. So thoughtful reflection is a good thing. Speculating, making up scenarios in your head, not a good thing. Right, right. Especially if you're not going to check in to find out any kind of accuracy with those scenarios. You're right. You're, right. you're kind of doomsdaying it. And then you've now spun it out of control to the point where you don't even want to talk or clarify with somebody because you're so busy with your your story that you've created. In Correct. You've gone you've gone up a notch and there's, I mean, you've made it into something it's not, you know, and it makes it even that much more difficult to communicate. Right. Let's talk about our our last lesson here. And then we're going to transition a little bit to talking about what do you do when your style is different from someone else? So um, our last lesson is really this idea of being defensive. It really doesn't serve anyone, right? Like there's, I, I, you know, and I've said this before and I'll keep saying it is at the end of your life, you're not sitting there with a tally sheet saying I was right. And you were wrong. Look at, I was right 242 times and you were right. Only 212 times I win. Like there is no game. This is connection. This is communication. These are relationships. So being defensive and trying to like support and defend your position it is not necessarily a productive approach to communication. Now there is explaining or clarifying, you know, we go back to this intent versus impact thing. We talk a little bit about that. That might be, might look a little bit different, but simply being defensive doesn't really serve anyone. So what, what would you say about defensiveness, Tracy? Where do you see that coming in with communication? Well, like you said, it doesn't do anyone any good, but I also think a lot of it comes from trauma maybe unresolved trauma, unprocessed trauma. Again, I talked about this book before, but toxic parents, it was something that changed my whole life in my late forties that I didn't understand why every time I would get in a relationship, I would become very defensive. I mean, just defensive of my person, right? Like I was defensive that I had suddenly had entered an adversarial situation that a relationship. So for me, I, I got into relationships, you know, I would meet someone and I'd start dating them. And immediately my mindset would be, I'm with an enemy. Okay. So that comes from my childhood. And I can talk about that more later, but you know, there were specific things that happened that made me not trust the person that I was with, but I didn't understand that until my late forties. And then it was like a, a bell going off crystal clear. Oh, okay. Well, if you're defensive, it means you're treating the other person kind of as your enemy. You know, you're putting up walls where there don't need to be walls. Your partner, unless there's abuse, is not trying to hurt you or you shouldn't be with someone who's trying to hurt you. You know, like that defensiveness comes from a place of hurt. And I recommend therapy to figure out what what is that place of hurt? Because not everybody knows, not everybody realizes or they realize 
and they haven't processed it. You know, I was married to a psychologist for eight years and I would be very upset and say, you know, you don't understand. Why are you upset with me? Because I'm traumatized. And she would say, it's not that it's that you haven't processed the trauma. Well, yes, that was absolutely correct. And it wasn't until the divorce and a lot of therapy to understand what that means to process the trauma. Once you begin to process trauma, you stop having so many of these reactions, you know, um, you know, and everything that we talk about here, I think a therapist, a good train, you know, trained therapist can actually really help with that. And even if you don't go to therapy, there's so many resources out there. I mean, that's how we really got onto this because how many podcasts have I listened to? How many books have I listened to? You know, I obsessively listen to audiobooks on every topic. Um, and that's where I discovered attachment styles and things like that, that are so important to the way we communicate. And I was, even though I had these jobs that required communicating, didn't mean I did a good job of it in a, a lot of my relationships, you know, intimate or friend relationships. Right, right. Well, and when you're talking about defensiveness, I think of one of the things that um, is also really uh, kind of key when it comes to particularly figuring out how trauma fits in is sometimes we don't know what's going to make us defensive. I've found sometimes I'm in a conversation and all of a sudden I will retort back with something that's just like, I am like ready to compete and I don't know where it came from. I don't know why I'm being triggered by a certain topic, a certain experience. And so sometimes we don't know what those things are until we unpack them. But that's the important thing is to say, wow, okay, not only A, was I triggered and I was defensive, but B, this is kind of the situation that was that I was in when it happened. And now I want to unpack this a little bit more and figure out how I can have a more loving response. Well, and don't be defensive about being defensive. If somebody says you're really defensive, don't get your hackles up. You know, just you, I think that if you start out a relationship, you start out talking about these are things that are important to me. You know, I brought this up before about, you know, those, that Indian matchmaker show on Netflix, one of my favorite shows ever. They do not mess around. Okay. They like, here are categories we're going to cover finances, job family, these things. If you don't have them, you're out. Well, that's a little bit strict, but mine are going to be communication, right? If you don't want to communicate, then just forget it. (laughs) Just forget it. And, and, you know, I've been the terrible person. I've been the non-communicative, the defensive person. And for me, all that came from trauma. Yeah. And, and my therapist has been essential. You know, therapy has been probably the one of the most important things in my life. Well, and that's good to realize. And a lot of the things we just, we realize because they come up for us over the course of our life and, you know, it's what we do with that that matters. So let's switch over to talk a little bit about, you know. Wait, I want to say one more thing. You said you find yourself getting defensive in a conversation and don't know why. Here's something that one therapist said in a couple's counseling session. When it's hysterical, it's historical. So not mm-hmm. that you're hysterical, but when something comes up that you're surprised it came up, it's usually historical. It has deep roots. And believe me, I resisted for many, many years. The fact that my parents who I am not close to and who have major issues that they had any influence on my life or how I acted. Well, guess what they do. And so when it's hysterical, it's historical. Okay. When bam, you're triggered out of nowhere. It's got deep roots. Yep. Good, good thoughts there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, 
when someone has a different communication style than you, I mean, we've talked about, we haven't talked formally about communication styles. There are also different kinds of self-assessments you can take. You can also just kind of reflect on, you know, how communicative you are or, how, or what style, you know, what preferences you have in communicating and, and kind of figure out if you're in the same, you know, kind of the same lines with your, your, either your partner or your friend or whoever it is that you're communicating with. But, you know, really there's a couple of things that are important to think about. And the first one is really um, finding a good match. Um, if communication is essential to kind of our being and our connection, then we need to find someone who appreciates the way we communicate and we appreciate the way they communicate. Doesn't mean we have to do it the same. There's this really great saying, I know many of you have heard of the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In communication, it's actually not that. It's do unto others as they would want them to do unto you. So it's like they, they basically they want treat them how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. As a, as an over communicator, I love it when people talk all the time, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want me to talk right back at them. And so find your good match, someone who appreciates the way that you communicate. And so there's really kind of a, a few things, some questions we talk about. So the, the first one is this idea um, you know, what is it that we, we want to communicate? And in my case, I want to communicate everything that exists on the planet, every thought, every fleeting thought, every feeling, every idea I've ever had. Every time I've seen a leaf fall from a tree, I need to tell somebody, um, I need to communicate my advice to people. I, you know, I, I mean, there's, it's kind of, everything's on the table, but there are some people who just, you know, they, they're not going to necessarily communicate maybe their feelings, but they're going to turn them all into thoughts and they want to just talk about their thoughts, or maybe they're only seeking advice, or maybe they only want to vent, or maybe they only want to, to give a good idea, um, but have certain things that they kind of preference in what it is that they want to communicate. And there's no right or wrong here. The idea is finding a good match of how people communicate. So, you know, I, I like to communicate about everything. Um, and I like it when people communicate everything to me, Tracy, what is your take on that? Well, I'm the same as you, as you know, I can communicate all day long, but I think that, you know, when you're talking about venting or talking about somebody being upset, this is something that I learned and took me a long time because I was a cop and I am an attorney. I'm very much an advice giver and people find that annoying. Okay. Sometimes they want it. Right. But I've learned now to say, what, what do you need from me? I did mm -hmm. not do that well in my marriage. It took me a long time to get to that point to say, do you just want me to listen? Do you just want support? What do you want from me? Because mm -hmm. I would immediately, okay, mean do this, 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 and this, right? Because I fix things, right? Easy, fix it. Done. Yep. Yep. But that isn't always, not only is that not always what the other person wants, but sometimes that could create um, problems, right? They're like, well, right. you're not hearing me. So it's, it makes it even worse. And if you just didn't right. even say anything at all. So I think it's really good to be on that same page. What about like, um, I like this one too. Like when is a good time to talk? You know, in my, in my mind, I always like, I, I get uncomfortable with anything that might be conflict. So I like to resolve things as soon as they come up. Um, I have, I was with an introvert one time that would say, well, let's talk, let's revisit this tomorrow. And I, and, and, and that was like the hours were so painful for me until we could talk about it. Cause I felt so unresolved. So, you know, when is a good time to talk? Do you want to talk kind of when something happens in the moment, when you see it, when you hear it, or do you want to have time to talk where like every evening before you go to bed, you have some time together to, to visit with each other. Do you want to have a, a weekly check-in on how like the relationship's going? Um, and, and so that's an important distinction, right? When is a good time to talk? So Tracy, for you, when is a good time for you to talk? Anytime. 
I think except when you're in the middle of a social event, which has happened to me before, where the person expresses their displeasure with me in a social event. I don't like that. I have to say, save it until <laughs> later. Although I don't like to do it after the event either. Cause I think, Oh, well, we got through that. And then bam, <laughs> and the car ride home. I'm in big trouble. So, right. you know, it's, and then it's exhausting. I think that is, I, I've already said, I don't want to be single. There is one person I want to be with. I would like to be back in that relationship, but it is what it is. And I have to say going out, going to parties, we've been at the same parties. I can drive home and no one is telling me what I did wrong. And that is a thing that I absolutely love (laughs) about being single because I'm sorry, I'm messy. You know, I I say things like I'm a big personality, right? So I'm going to say things that are going to be upsetting to people. And I think you and your partner have to figure out at the beginning of the relationship, hey, let's talk about this. How do we want to talk about things? If I upset you, do you want to talk about it later? Do you want to set a time? Do you, do you want to chew me out right in front of everybody at the party? You know? Right, right. Well, and that kind of goes into where do you talk, right? Because you're saying like, don't do it at a social event or don't trap me in the car, right? You know, trap the car and then you like mm-hmm. lock the doors and roll the windows mm-hmm. up and like, we need and to you talk. Know you're in trouble. Exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, where do you want to talk? Is it on, you know, kind of on neutral ground if you're in a conflict or if you have an idea or something that you want to suggest, do you talk, do you talk about it if you're with your partner? Do you talk about it in bed? Is that, or is, or is a bed a conflict-free place? Um, you know, so that's important to also designate the, your expectations because a lot of these things we think, oh, we're all on the same page with everything, but until it happens, you realize you might not be on the same page as that other person. Right. And until you communicate about how you want to communicate, you might not be. And there's a lot of, you know, these are not things that have to break apart relationships. It just requires talking about it, you know, actually Mm -hmm. sitting down, talking about it in a non-defensive way. Like, you know, these are things that would be good for me, or this hurt my feelings, or, you know, this is how I would handle this. I'd appreciate it if you would be this way, you know? Exactly. And that's a good thing for you to learn about what your partner or your, the other person needs. And then also expressing what you need. I think this, this question is one of the most important for me, I think is what is the goal right? What is the goal in communicating? Um, are you communicating to try to get the other person to understand what you're trying to say? Are you communicating because you really want to understand their perspective? Are you communicating because you want to find a solution or a compromise to a problem or, and, or are you communicating out of connection and love? Because without communication, you know, sometimes that connection falls to the wayside. So even the mundane day to day, this is what I ate for lunch. Communication can create that connection. But sometimes, you know, this isn't something like generally you say, okay, do you communicate for which purpose? It's, you know, sometimes at the beginning of a, of a conversation, especially if it's an important one is saying, okay, what's the goal of this conversation right here? Is it for us to come up with a solution to the problem? Is it for us to just be frustrated about what's happening? Is it about for us to hear each other's perspectives or do we just want to feel like we've talked through it and heard each other? And so that, that is a, you know, important delineation there. So um, you I know, think that's important to say, start it out. I've never done that. What is the goal of this conversation? Good gold. Yeah. Nice work, Corey. Good. Well, you know, that's why they that's, pay me the big bucks as a professor. That's right. Yeah, I get this that's one right. question. Um, so the yeah. last question it really is, 
um, and this is, you know, kind of a little bit more uh, lighthearted is like, how frequently do you communicate? And I think this is something too, that I've thought a lot about my expectations with people is, you know, how frequently do you communicate with your partner or with your friend or your family member? How frequently do you text them? Tracy, you and I text back and forth all the time. I text you probably more than I text anybody else, but I have certain people that I just text with a lot that maybe mm-hmm. aren't my closest friends. I have a couple people that I call and there's other people. I don't think I've ever been on the phone with them ever. Right. Um, how, right. how frequently do you communicate in person? I know that's a really big thing, especially uh, for those of you, you know, dating somebody towards the beginning of dating is how, how often are you going to text every day, a couple times a day? Are you going to call each other? Or is that just weird? Do you zoom each other? I mean, are you getting together in person? What does that, what does that look like? And are your expectations the same? Um, or at least you understand the other person's expectations if they're different. Well, and that's the thing. You just have to talk about that. Look, this is what I'd like, or this is how I am. And do you find that, you know, do you like that? Or is that too much for you? I think, again, communicate about how you want to communicate. I don't think there's anybody who's ever said there's too much good communication here. It's not working. (laughs) But a lot of people say there is bad communication here. This is not working. And, you know, generally, by the time people get to therapy, the problems are so entrenched and the communication has broken down. I mean, you said you got a bachelor's degree in communication. So there's obviously a lot to talk about with communication. I mean, it's so fundamental to us, right? And people learn that they learn their communication styles when they're young. And some people come from, you know, good communicators and some people come from not so good communicators. And that really has an impact on your entire life. Right. And your perspective, how you go about communicating. And I think one of the things that, that really hits home with me is this idea that a lot of times we take these things for granted. I assume that, for instance, that if you say we're just starting to date and you're into me, you're going to text me all the time. I assume that, but you're assuming mm-hmm. that I'm busy and that you're not going to text me all the time because that's going to be annoying. But without us talking about that, for me, it feels, I feel kind of, you know, not connected. And for the other person, they, they feel like they don't want to be overbearing and yet it's the same behavior. Right. Um, and so I think that what's important about it is knowing what's, what's an expectation, whether that's, right. you know, there is no such thing as like a, a realistic or overbearing expectation. It's just, what is your assumption that you're coming from? Well, that's, you know what they say about assumptions, Corey, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to use a curse word on this podcast, but mm-hmm. you don't make assumptions, you know, right. Assumptions don't serve anybody. It's just like speculating. It doesn't help. Just exactly. ask or just say, this is what I like. Would this work for you? This exactly. is what would be good for me. Right. Well, and that's a perfect transition to the last, just the last couple items that we wanted to talk about that are really important is, you know, what, what have we found that can enhance communication? And this idea of assumptions is just, it's, it's a perfect segue is if um, there's something called the ladder of inference and the ladder of inference means that, you know, basically like climbing rungs on a ladder that we get pieces of information and not the full story of something. And we make assumptions and we speculate and we put, we fill in the story with our own biases, our own experiences, our own childhood traumas or whatever it might be our own expectations. And we go up the rung of this ladder and we build it out to the, to the top of the ladder. We've now inferred something that may not even be true at all. I remember a story. Uh, I was uh, doing a training on the ladder of inference with a group and I had, um, this, I had everybody think of an example. And this, this one guy was talking about how he pulled into a gas station and he saw a man running out of the gas station, jumped into a car and sped off. And he thought, Oh no, that gas station's just been robbed. So he went in really protected and, you know, nervous. And he talked to the 
person who was working and he said, are you okay? You know, I mean, does, you know, do we need to call the police? And he said, oh no, that man just got a call that his wife's in labor. And, and so it was this idea that we, we literally have all of these past experiences that, and, and ideas that we fill in and we create this ladder of inference. And so we do that in our relationships. We assume that if you leave dirty dishes in the sink, that you don't care about the fact that I worked a really long day when it may not be that it, it may be that, but it may not be that. So this idea is that we, we infer things all the time. And if you can ask questions, we call it kind of interrupting the ladder. You can find a way to, to figure out what's real, what is actually happening and what are you making up? Because when you make things up, you tend to, you know, again, doomsday it, and then you don't communicate about it. And next thing you know, you've, you know, you've created a disconnection and a disharmony. Yeah. And when we make things up as people, it's usually, we're not making up the best case scenario. We're usually, you know, imagining the worst case scenario and then going over it and what are we going to do about it and how are we going to deal with it? And guess what? That didn't ever even happen. It all happened in our minds, you know? Yeah. Well, if you assume the worst, then you can't be disappointed. I've heard that before, but if you assume who wants to go around assuming the worst in people, right? I mean, I'm going to assume that my partner is going to leave me. So therefore I'm not going to really invest in this relationship. I'm going to uh, assume that, you know, my friends don't want to hang out with me anymore. So I'm just not going to hang out with them. I mean, who wants to live like that? Right. I mean, you, it may be right in the end, maybe your partner does leave you, or maybe your friends don't want to hang out with you. That may be true, but do we really want to go through life assuming that out of every single situation of a relationship that we're in with people? Well, and it's also that assuming stuff goes to if somebody says something that, as you said earlier, lands wrong. If it has the, 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 the impact that you don't like, don't assume they meant it in a bad way. I am a total, that was a real problem for me for a long time. I just assumed the worst. Oh, Mm -hmm. they meant it. They were trying to be rude. And then that caused me to get like hyper, like, mad and then, you know, that pissed me off. Right. The cycle, right. The cycle, a cycle that you've created. Right. Cause it's not really there. Yeah. Going forward. I'm trying to assume that whatever somebody says it is with the best intent. Perhaps they said it clumsily or perhaps I didn't understand it. So then I should clarify. Right. It's on, it's on me to clarify. Right. Right. Well, and that ties into this great practice and um, called appreciative inquiry. And I know it's kind of, you know, all the rage people see a lot of, a lot of articles about it in magazines and so forth. It's, you know, AI, not, not artificial intelligence, but appreciative inquiry. And it's this idea that, that I, you know, there's two words, right? Appreciative, appreciate the relationships that you're in, assuming the best out of people and inquiry is asking rather than telling. And if you think about these two things together, yeah, it really is this idea of, let me ask you and assume the best out of you rather than saying, you didn't do the dishes. You don't care about me. You don't, you, you don't respect me. Instead of saying that you say, Hey, it's been a really long day. I noticed the dishes were in the sink. Are, is everything okay? Cause I know normally you do the dishes and maybe that person will say, it's been a really long day for me too. It was really, I was tough. I just got off the phone and I had a really difficult conversation and I haven't had a chance to do them yet. Um, that's appreciative inquiry. And um, we'll put some information in the show notes about both the ladder of inference and appreciative inquiry, because they're both really, really great tools to learn um, in order to kind of reframe that assuming the worst. Because again, if you're looking at some of this uh, underlying foundation of what we're talking about, it's this idea of assuming things out of people, speculating, not clarifying, um, withholding information, being defensive. These are just not good practices. It's good. It's just the most important thing we want you to take from today is really thinking about being on the same page as the person you're communicating with and making sure that you're assuming the best out of that person. And asking, if you want to know something, just ask. Mm-hmm. Right. And then being open to being asked yourself as well. 
Anybody can ask me anything. Just put, put that out there now. We know that, Tracy. That's great. That's going to be great for our listeners who might want to ask the tough questions. Uh, Tracy's yeah. definitely open to getting those, and and as am I. But um, I think we've had, covered some great ground today. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, and hopefully got some uh, some great ideas to help uh, you all rock your relationships. So thank you for uh, checking out episode three, and stay tuned for our upcoming episode on who we're attracting. The vibrations and law of attraction. Who are we bringing into our fields of energy and, um, and our connections? So we're looking forward to that. Take care and make sure that you go rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.